It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. He didn't focus on winning, yet he constantly won. We'll look at that in our thought of the day. And in our interview segment, award-winning journalist Don Yeager has met, hung out with, and interviewed many of our world's top performers, those we consider great. Even better, he shares with us a number of their commonalities. Powerful. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. In his very first season as a head coach, he took a losing team and immediately turned them into a winner. Speaking of winning, he coached his teams to a mind-boggling 664 total victories in 27 seasons, including 10 NCAA national championships. Within this period were 88 straight wins and four perfect 30-0 seasons. Yet, having seen several television feature stories about him, having read one of his books, having been privileged to see him speak, and having spoken to many people who've spoken with him firsthand, the following appears to be very true about the late UCLA basketball coach John Wooden. Winning was not his focus. Now, don't get me wrong, he loved to win and was not one to accept a loss that was not preceded by full preparation and determined effort. But winning was not his priority. Indeed, it was not his focus. In fact, his very definition of success was not winning the game. Rather, it was peace of mind that is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. Let's look at just a few of his qualities that stood out the most. He was a person of his word. He prepared unceasingly. He insisted that all players prepared unceasingly and put forth their best effort, being team-focused. He did not accept selfishness on the court, nor did he accept one player criticizing another. He focused on the little things if he felt they had potentially major consequences, most famously how to correctly put on socks and sneakers in order to avoid blisters. He was a man of deep religious faith. He was a very nice, very kind human being. He won. He won a lot. Coach Wooden, who didn't hold the winning of basketball games as his highest priority, was literally speaking, a huge winner, not just in life, but on the court. He won a lot of games. Of course, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't focus on winning. That's for you as an individual to decide. However, just like focusing on bringing value to the marketplace, bringing value to your customers, will result in your earning much more money than had you focused on the money, focusing on doing the things it takes to win rather than simply focusing on the winning, will generally help you to win much more often. Hey, no commercial break today. Instead, let's go right into a great discussion with multi-bestselling author and a man who has learned about greatness from many of the greatest, Don Yeager. Enjoy.
Don Yeager is the author of 28 books, 11 of which have become New York Times bestsellers and has developed a reputation as one of America's most provocative journalists. His award-winning writing career, including 10 years as associate editor of Sports Illustrated, has led to guest appearances on every major talk show in America, from Oprah to Nightline, from CNN to Good Morning America. He now spends much of his time sharing the lessons he's learned throughout his career with audiences across the country. He's also an entrepreneur and recognized business leader, currently the owner of a political consulting business and a public relations firm. The book we're discussing today is one of my favorites. It's called Greatness. The 16 Characteristics of True Champions. Don's website is donyeager.com. That's D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R. To get greatness, just go to donyeager.com slash shop, where it has a listing of all of his books that he's written with people from Michael Ower to Coach John Wooden, from Brian Kilmeade to Warren Moon. I mean, it's an amazing cross-section of Americana. Wow. And these links will, of course, also be in the show notes. Don, welcome. Bob, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to to join the go-giver team here. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. Your background and experience is immense, and I, I love it. Not only have you met such amazing people, you've really distilled so much of their, their wisdom and made it available to all of us, your readers. So thank you for doing that. Well, no, uh, I, appreciate the, I appreciate the kind words, but I will tell you, I think that that was the thing that drew me to journalism was um, the ability to... Um, to hopefully help other people tell their stories really well. And I think we all have a great story within us. And most of us never let that story out because we're busy telling it in, we're, we're busy telling it in ways that the world can't get the most from it. So uh, I, I, I love that I get this role. I get to play this role. Mm. Now, whenever we have a title such as greatness, uh, we need to first define that term, which, of course, like the author you are, you included that within the book's introduction. So I'm going to ask you to share that with us here. What is greatness? Well, um, the thing that was fascinating about kind of getting into this, like, you know, is that everybody has a different definition for it. So I, I figured I, I needed it to be able to lay out my own in order to make it make complete sense. Uh, so greatness for me was um, it was a journey, right? It is uh, the persistent pursuit um, of uh, professional and personal exceptionalism. It is, it's an understanding that, um, that, that we need to daily be in the improvement of who we are um, on a journey to who we might one day have the opportunity to become. But the truth is, like any good journey, it really never ends. And so the truly greats uh, understand that, um, that this is a chance uh, today um, to be special, but it doesn't end today and it won't end tomorrow. We have to be constantly growing. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, let me ask you this question. And I, I guess it's a question you probably get a lot. I don't know. But what is what is greatness not that most people assume it is? I think a lot of people think of, uh, you know, we think of great people as famous and greatness is not fame, right? That's so uh, as part of the definition, the chapter of the book that you're referencing, um, I, I kind of sat down and I was going through trying to define for someone this, this concept, because that's what greatness really is as much as anything, right? It's not, it's not defined by records. You, the fact that I could be, uh, I could hold more um, 
you know, championships or score more points than someone else does not make me great. Uh, what, um, and so it's not about uh, it's not about titles. It's not about fame. Um, greatness is uh, uh, about this, but it is about this commitment mm-hmm. to uh, moving past success and into significance. Uh, right? yeah. um, our goal should be um, to be because success is temporal, right? Success um, ends with you when you die. Uh, significance does not. It's not right. Right. Now you and you mentioned a few moments ago that you knew when you were younger uh, about wanting to do this and help people tell their stories and so forth. And you mentioned that in high school you really wanted to be a sports journalist. And your dad challenged you to do something, and I thought this was so cool. What was it? Well, I was headed off actually uh, for my first job um, in journalism, which was at a newspaper in Texas, and uh, and we're. We're standing in the driveway, and I had everything in, that I owned in my life that I thought I could, that I thought I needed, stuffed in the back seat of my car. And my dad said, "You know, you be, because of the profession you've chosen, uh, journalism, you're going to end up in the presence of some pretty cool people, right? That's just what happens. Right. Journalists are invited into meetings, and they're invited to the, you know, to to uh, you're invited to places that most people don't get to go. Yes." Um, always ask those people a question that will make you better. Um, you know, most of us are just busy. We, we ask the questions we have to ask because that, you know, um, the who, what, why, where, how questions of journalism. He said, find a question that you can ask and slyly ask a question of everyone that will make you grow in each of these opportunities with great people. And so I settled in on the on a simple question, which is if you could name one habit, one characteristic, one if you could name one thing that allowed you to do what your opponent couldn't, what is that thing? What's that habit? Yeah. Oh. What and what was fascinating was that, um, and you and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, I asked that question of twenty five hundred people over a twenty five year to twenty five year career. Um, kept their answers in a separate set of notebooks. But the idea was to understand what did they think allowed them to separate themselves. And again, most of them were athletes and coaches. So you would think somewhere along the line, people would start talking about their physical gifts. You know, I was just, what God, I, I, what made me great was what God gave me. I was just bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, the truth was not a single person named a physical gift is what made him great. I, and I love that. I loved that in the book. Yeah. And um, and that stood out to me because, again, I'll never have their physical gifts. I, I love that they, mental, they, they mentioned essentially uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual disciplines that they worked on um, regularly to make themselves better than other people. They're, they're better than their opponents, right? That's what they were seeking was that edge. And this is where the edge came from. And... Um, and, and, and I like that too, because I could work on developing those habits. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could never, I'll never be as big or, I'll never be as big or strong or as fast as, 
any of them, but I, but I can be as uh, mentally disciplined as they are. Right. And that was, that was the overarching lesson of the book that I, I just thought was so fantastic. So let's, so let's delve into that uh, right now. And before we get into some of the specific 16 characteristics, you broke it up into four steps or pillars, if you will. What are yeah. they? It's uh, because I think, you know, again, you're always trying to figure out how do you make this stuff consumable? How do how can people gain something from it? And 16 sounds like a big number, but it was the top. Mm-hmm. We kind of found that it, like the difference between the 16th and the 17th answer was a big number. So that was a good way to kind of cut it off there. But the first four are in how they think. Right. So uh, it's that ability to just to, to that manage that mental strength, right? How they think. The next four were how they prepared, how they got ready mm-hmm. for the opportunity to, to take the world on. Uh, the four after the four, the next four were how they work, uh, how they bring it to, to the field, to the office, whatever it is. And then the, the last four were really important to me because a lot of times when we talk about greatness, we're talking about we, we, we end the conversation uh, with their uh, with, with someone's achievement. Uh, either you know in the workplace or or on the field, and but I believe that, it, that, that especially if you look at the answers these great ones gave, the last four are really important, and that's how they live. Um, this is you know this isn't a conversation about about how to become um, how to dominate your competition by by uh, by learning the um, you know some fancy move from a world. Uh, WWE wrestler, right? This is about how to, um, how to, how to, as I said earlier, how to live a life of significance. Yeah. So Don, let's look at the first characteristic within the first pillar. It's, it's personal. (laughs) Now this sounds counterintuitive, right? But the truly great hate to lose more than they love to win. Now, I say it sounds counterintuitive because it seems to focus on the negative rather than the positive when we associate greatness with positive, but it's actually very congruent with human nature, concluded in many studies that the fear of loss is actually greater than the desire for gain. Would you unwrap that for us? Yeah, so so in, in these conversations, this was the number one answer that came up, is that at some stage in their life, the truly great ones um, so expected to be successful that frankly it didn't give them the thrill that it gives some of the rest of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but failure, when they lost, they can, you know, the, 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 those left a mark. I mean, Joe Montana can barely tell you about any of the touchdown passes he ever threw other than the one to Dwight Clark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the catch. The catch, right, exactly. But he can tell you exactly what he did and what happened and why it broke down for every interception he threw. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. But I will tell you, it's true. I've sat there with Joe and unraveled a few of them. Um, that's the, the truly great ones. The losses are an important part of the, um, of the fuel that drives them. And, and, but the key to making those losses hurt, and this is where this conversation gets really cool for me, is if you believe that that the losses should hurt more than the wins are enjoyable, if you believe that that's true, and they do, then the one way you make losses hurt is you don't make an excuse when they happen. 
And most of the world, talk about human nature, almost all of us, if we don't get what we came for, we didn't get the promotion we sought, uh, we didn't get the, uh, we, we didn't win the game that we thought we were going to, our, uh, our first place to go is who, who can we pin this on, right? Who's responsible? What, what, uh, you know, was it the referee? Was it the field? Was the ball not properly inflated? I mean, where, where do you want to go with it, right? Um, but most people have a reason for failure. The truly great ones will tell you, you cannot achieve this habit, which is that you learn to hate losing more than you love winning. You cannot achieve it until you stop making, until you stop making excuses, until you stop blaming others when things don't go your way so if you can't that so there's a there's an interesting lesson here but there's a there's a very well-defined um action that you have to take in order to live out so this isn't just a discussion about um, a neat idea it's Mm -hmm. here's how they did it wow in your next chapter rubbing elbows you say the great ones understand the value of association. So I want to tell you, like many, I'm a huge fan of, of John Wooden's. And uh, I know you you wrote a book with him. I think you wrote a book with pretty much everyone. <laughs> but I'm also a very huge fan of a man fewer people have heard of. Now, I'm, I'm 60 years old, so I remember him playing. I remember him being on the bench, and I remember a bunch of stories about him. But his name is Swen Nater which most people, you know, they're not going to know of him. So tell us about this story of the power of associating with the best. Yeah, so Coach Wooden, uh, with whom I worked for 12 years, actually, um, uh, actually used to say that of all the players that he would tell you was among the greatest that ever played for him would be Swin Nader. And you're thinking, how could that be? This is right. a guy who averaged, he averaged three minutes a game when he played at UCLA, right? right? So I, but he said Swin Nader understood um, uh, and the most important principle. That Coach Wooden said the first and most important principle of any great one is that they hate to lose. So he was on target for that. Um, but he said the second one was that they knew they would never outperform their inner circle. And if you know you will never outperform your inner circle, the truly great ones are always out in search of a better circle. Right? They are always looking to find their way into a better circle because that will just, if you believe this concept, moving into a better circle will improve what you're capable of being. Mm. And John Wooden said, you look at Swin Nader, he was that guy. I mean, he could have gone anywhere in the country coming out of junior college and played because he was seven foot tall as a good ball player, but he chose to come to UCLA because coach Wooden sold him on the idea that if he came to UCLA, he'd spend every day practicing against Bill Walton, the best player in America. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not get on the court much because Bill Walton's so good, but you're going to spend every day in the presence of someone better than you. And uh, and, and on, on the flip side, Bill Walton was going to be better every day right. because, he was, because he had somebody that was big enough, strong. He had somebody capable of pushing him. And so Coach Wooden knew it would be a great marriage if the two of them could uh, could could come together. And Swen Nader could have turned it down, right? And, but he but he chose to um, to to go to UCLA. And and John Wooden says all the time, 
that's what made him one of the greatest players to ever play at UCLA. This guy understood this concept. We will never, you will never outperform your inner circle. And so if you want to be better, you want to be great, always be improving your inner circle. And he went to UCLA, improved his inner circle, and became the first player in the history of the NBA draft, selected in the first round of the draft, having never started a senior college basketball game. That is amazing. That and he is, did that. He did that because everybody in the NBA knew he was the best competition Bill Walton had, even if he was hardly ever playing. Yeah, and Walton was asked, right? He was he was yes. asked well, yeah, tell us. So Bill Walton, as I he was being, as he was coming as the draft was getting ready to occur in the NBA, he was graduating, Swin Nader was graduating. And all the NBA scouts looked at Bill and said, who's the best player you played against this year? Was it, you know, guy Kansas, guy Pepperdine? Who was it? Right. They're right? expecting these amazing ball players that, that right. Well, yeah. And, and, and Bill pointed to his backup who played three minutes a game and said, that's the best player I've played against all year. And that year he became the, uh, the as I said, first player to be drafted in the first round, having never started a senior college basketball game. And that's a pretty cool designation, but it's one that only occurred because he surrounded himself. Um, by the, he, he went and found a better, the best circle he could inject himself into. Mm -hmm. And, and then um, rose to the, rose to the, yeah. the challenge of the circle. Yeah. And now Swen's a very, very uh, successful business person. So all the habits he developed, uh, have has really paid off for him. He was a great, great pro ball player too. And then yeah, he had and, a and very successful business career. He did. Yes. Correct. Um, so let's skip the next couple belief, con contagious enthusiasm, all important. It has to do with how they prepare. Wonderful. Um, I want to talk about, uh, uh, in pillar two, uh, or how the great, uh, the fifth about how the great prepare. This was this was so so key, and we'll recognize some of these stories. The fifth trait is hope for the best, but prepare for all the possibilities before they step onto the field. And this is where you talk about some people. You, you talked about the good and the bad. One was, of course, Captain Sullenberger. Yeah. It, again, how much time are you spending? Um, and this is a really fun one for me. I love to do this conversation because every once in a while I get into discussions with corporate clients where I'm and, and everybody's saying, gosh, we are stretched so thin. They have reduced our staff. So, um, you know, so tragically, um, we don't have time to, to sit and prepare for a meeting. We just have to, you know, we just, we have to move from one meeting to the next. And, you know, how do you expect that we're, we're going to create more time? How's that going to happen? And to which, you know, the natural question is, can you imagine any meeting or any event in life that would be better if you walked in unprepared, right? Is there anything that, where you could say that, uh, you know, it's justified because I just don't have time as opposed to saying, um, you know, that we'll, we'll, I will work through uh, the, the concepts, but yes, the, the idea here is that the best understand the, that you, this is a non-negotiable, right? This isn't one of those things that I'll prep for my meeting. If I get time, mm -hmm. it's 
um, no, I won't have the meeting until I'm prepped. And so, uh, you know, have you done the work to be ready for what's coming your way? And um, uh, they, they don't, you know, you hope that things are going to go well, but you're prepared. Right. You understand what options are, you know, and many people know, you know, Sully Sullenberger, you know, saved, uh, saved hundreds by, by being well prepared. He knew what, I mean, he had a once in a lifetime moment, right? Right. Landing an airplane in the Hudson river. And I love what he said uh, that everything, everything he had done up to that point almost prepared him for that moment. Correct. And, and, he, and so there's, uh, again, you can look at it and go, gosh, I mean, this guy's a busy dude. He's flying airplanes all day long, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he was constantly in the, uh, um, you know, he was constantly prepping himself yes. and he didn't wait. He didn't wait for the moment to need that preparation. He, he, he was preparing whether he was ever going to need that moment or not. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so much more in this book, and I just, I mean, I could talk all day on this. This was just so so fantastic, but i but we're almost out of time, and I want to ask you about one, if I may. We're going to go to number 13, and this was all about character, and you discussed one of my personal heroes, uh, the extraordinary Roberto Clemente. Would you share just some quick insights about this great Hall of Famer, his heart, his character? Well, you know, your commitment... To so this gets into the how they live piece, right? Which yeah. is the part that sometimes make, makes people uncomfortable. Like, oh man, I don't want to go. I don't want to get into a, a discussion about how to be better professionally and have to think about how I live. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you do. You know, if you if you uh, if you're willing to sacrifice that piece of your life. Again, what I say all the time is, you can be good, but you'll never be great. Greatness is is well rounded. Greatness has this approach to it. Roberto Clemente was the was the um, definition of this characteristic, right? The ability to um, they know that character is defined by what they do for those who cannot help them. I mean, this is a man who literally lost his life, right? Um, uh, life. Doing right. doing for others. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if doing for others was not important to him, he would not have been on that airplane, um, and uh, and he could have easily said, you know, I'll just use my fame to raise money and I'll send it on to other people. Uh, but he was like, but he believed that the, that the, that, that, his, that the personal touch that came with what the way, the way he was engaged um, back into his community was, was so important. So I, 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 I love, I think that he, you know, again, another example I used there was with my personal hero, Walter Payton. Um, and that ability to, you know, Walter used to quote a John Wooden quote, which I always loved because he was mixing, he was connecting uh, my relationship with him to maybe uh, to my relationship with somebody else. But he used to use this John Wooden quote, you can, um, you cannot live a perfect day. You can, you, you, you will never live a perfect day in which you are not doing something for someone who cannot repay you. Right. Um, you cannot live a perfect day which you're not doing something for someone who cannot repay you. And I love that concept because it is so perfect to what we're talking about here, right? If we're going to be great, we have to be constantly constantly making investments, not just in ourselves, but in others. And, uh, And when you make that 
your commitment, um, you're destined for significance. Don Yeager is the author of 28 books, including Greatness, The 16 Characteristics of True Champions. Don's website is donyeager.com. To get greatness, just go to donyeager, D-O-N-Y-A-E-G-E-R.com slash shop, where it has a listing of all of his books that he's written. And if you're planning an upcoming conference or convention, he'd make a wonderful keynote speaker. You can find that information at his website as well. And all this, of course, will be in the show notes. Thank you, Don. Best of continued success and greatness to you. I appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. Main takeaway I received from Don is that while indeed those he highlighted certainly had talents that were unusual in that most of us don't have these, their character traits are available to all of us. And providing that we have sufficient desire and the will to utilize them, we can. And our lives can be much more productive as a result. Based on what Don shared with us, what made the biggest impression on you? Please feel free to write to me at bob at berg.com and let me know. John David Manns and my newest book, The Go-Giver Influencer, is now on sale at bookstores nationwide, both online and traditional. Visit thegogiver.com and download chapters one and two, or just click on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review. And your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.